Hello, and good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Fickle, joined here with my co-host and a very, very extremely special hmm. guest. Hey, everybody. Uh, Ryan here from uh, the Tokyo area of Japan, and special guest, welcome back. Hello, everybody. It's your go-to Pioneer Grinder, Harry13, uh, coming from you all the way from Glasgow. Hope everyone's doing well. Yeah, doing well. Uh, kind of last one of the year, I think, for us on this podcast. We're just trying to get something out before the holidays here, and uh should be a good one. So, uh, Brian, you want to go ahead and introduce the topic we want to talk about today and why we brought Martin up on? Yeah, so uh, I thought we could do like a, a, a wrap-up. I think we've done these in the past. We did one for 2021. I think we did one for 2020. I'm not totally sure about that one, but I think we did. Anyways, um, you know, everyone's always talking about you know, oh, what happened? You know, when did this happen? This was like two years ago, right? And it's like, no, this happened this year. So I kind of want to put the record straight and just kind of go over everything that happened this year and talk about its impact and how it's shaped and gotten Pioneer to where it is today. So I have uh, kind of, uh, how can I say, uh, created a, uh, a timeline of sorts for you guys to check over. And I thought we could just kind of go month to month and uh, just, you know, comments, you know, what was going on? What happened? Uh, you know, what what was your reaction during the time and, and stuff like that? Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. So, should we just jump right into it? Or um, do you guys have anything you want to say before we get started? Actually, no, no, no. I think it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Would, would you have something to say? Before right? we go into, like, the, the timeline, timeline, I do want to ask you guys, what would you say are the biggest pioneer stories of 2022? What sticks out in your mind? Ooh. Um, I think... You can do more than one if you want. I think, like, to me, like, the, the, the card in 2022 that sticks out to me, I think this is, like, the biggest, by far, the Maybe by far the biggest impactful card we've had has to be Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Mm-hmm. Fable of the Mirror Breaker was a huge, huge card to print. It saw the banning of a certain card we'll discuss, and it also led to the rise of one of the most prominent in play decks in the format right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's an interesting. That's probably the card I would point out. You know, right now we're kind of in a a long period of stability really in the format where we've had popular decks we've had things come and go but you know it's been six months since we had something banned mm-hmm. and it's been uh you know i don't think it's been a, a concern like i feel like it's been in a great place the format has um would you guys just say in general that power level uh has kind of gone up in cards in general over uh, 2022 yeah i think oh. so like i think like well i think so because like there's cards that used to see a lot more play or would be considered reasonable that I think are no longer pioneer level. Like cards like um Tireless Tracker for example, mm-hmm. like I think that card's just not good enough anymore. Like the power level of like three drops in the format's just gone up immensely. And I think that that's like a, a card that has a similar effect to Tireless Tracker was printed as uncommon and yeah, I think we'll we'll see that continue. Personally, I'm not sure if I'd agree. You know, Tireless Tracker hasn't been good enough for a while. I don't think that was just a 2022 change. Mm-hmm. If I were to look at the power level of decks at the beginning of 2022, when we had Winota, we had Luris, we had, Enig- uh, not Enigmatic Incarnation, uh, the other incarnation, um, the other EI, what is it? Uh, Expressive yeah. Iteration, that's the one. 
Um, I, I don't know if we, I would say that like the cards we've gained are probably more powerful than the ones we've lost, but we did lose a lot of power. Mm. So I don't feel like it was all upside. You know, we, we took down some important cards this year and that, you know, brought the power level of the format down some to the point where, you know, Fable of the Mirror Breaker was around during Luris and it wasn't seeing any play. Luris got banned and then we started to really see Fable of the Mirror Breaker take off. So it's, it, it feels to me a little bit like it, you know, if that's the most powerful card in the format right now and it was kind of not playable before Luris got banned, then I'm not sure if I could argue that the whole format has gotten stronger. I would I would argue mm-hmm. it's, you know, taken a nice step down and is more level. It's definitely more level, I think. I was, I was pretty sure, like, Fable was definitely, like, because Winota was definitely a very heavily played deck as soon as Fable was released, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that, like, that Fable of Mirrorbreaker made Winota the deck it was, I'm sure. Well, it definitely helped but, out. I know people were talking about, hey, yeah, just make a yeah, copy of I this. Think, and Well, Fable was just basically the card, like, the, the thing about that deck, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get yeah, into, to that I think month. we should leave that to the, the month of, yeah. yeah reckoning for Winota, yeah well let me let, so. let, let me kind of connect you know you were talking about fable i would say reprints were kind of big we had lillian of the veil this year which you know i mm-hmm. think that's mm-hmm. also like a really big story that we're starting to see some cards from modern show up in pioneer which i think is really good yeah i think they should print tarmogoyf in pioneer yes to be honest. please please definitely it wouldn't do anything I, problematic at all no, like it literally it wouldn't do anything no, problematic I, at all and i have I, four i, I have a playset, so I generally, I generally think it's fine to play in Pioneer now. Like the power level of creatures has gone up so much, and like removal in Pioneer. I mean, it would really mess up red decks. That's for sure. It would really be difficult for red decks to handle. But like, you can do an oops all goif deck because I think there's like the Lurgoif too that just showed up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, Path to Exile, Tarmogoyf. <laughs> Manally, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe, we'll see. Maybe. Um, we'll okay, see. so anything else? Any other big stories from 2022? You think uh, kind of stood out to you? Um, Pioneer being in the Pro Tour, I think that was a yes, huge, organized like, play. Organized play, yeah. I mean, our Patreon definitely benefited from that. Like our our Patreon numbers, like. I think they like at one point from like where they were to where they peaked was like at least a five x, five but, times. Like, wow. Ob- yeah, yeah. But obviously, like um, our our Patreon is like very dynamic now. Like mm-hmm. we we cover pretty much everything from like at the moment like pioneer to vintage. But mm-hmm. we're going to be looking to focus on standard as well as it's going to become more and more relevant. So I will probably be in the standard league streets as well. Uh, whenever the next set comes out, it feels like sets come out every month now. Mm-hmm. I, I can't keep up, but yeah, like um, but we were focusing a lot that. on Pioneer um previously, and the numbers were directly it, it was clear as day as to why there was more interest in our Patreon. Um, but yeah, um, organized plays a big one made put Pioneer on the spot, and I mm-hmm. thought it was great because it means that more top level players were trying to break the mold of pioneer and you could see things changing there was new decks coming out like we've had a lot of new archetypes start to flourish in the format and, and i love all the content yeah yeah there's a lot of content it's good it's good i mean i think the format's really good i mean i've had my you know is it the best it's ever been i i don't think so personally like uh, there's been times that I've preferred in pioneer but like yeah. it's still in a good spot like in in the grand scheme of things pioneer's in a good place i think it could be better but i think 
we're still in a position where we can just let the format naturally evolve around new mm-hmm. sets and cards that come out, and I'm kind of happy for that to be the case. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, anything else you guys think uh, needs to be pointed out before we get started? I would say. Exp- I mean, I feel like we are started. But I mean, I mean, but I mean, like going to the timeline. So, like, I was gonna say, Explorer was also kind of a, a big thing this year. They had two anthologies, and they're saying that they're gonna start printing everything. Uh, you know, to put Pioneer on there eventually. We're getting uh, the remastered set for uh, Shadows of Innistrad next year. I think that's kind of a big story you know, that people can eat. You guys have been playing on NTGO forever, but for me, for for people, you know, that don't. Um, you know, spend a lot of money, but just want to grind out all those cards. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a net positive for the format. I don't yeah. know if you guys would agree or disagree, but that sounds pretty fair. Yeah, I think that's a that's definitely a change that has brought some people into the format. Yeah, that's good. So so long as like it doesn't have the impact on Moto as it had in Standard. Although Standard is picking up on Moto, I think the mm-hmm. main issue was whenever a set gets to like a certain low level of popularity it gave it gave like win traders a golden opportunity to start profiting um and taking advantage of the system which basically ruined any chance of actually getting to play games consistently on standard mm-hmm. but uh, magic online have been great in finally addressing that and coming up with a method to basically make win trading impossible as far as i'm aware or like just so so negligibly profitable that it's mm-hmm. not worth doing. A lot more difficult, certainly. Yeah. yeah. And then I think a part of that was actually not so much the popularity of the format, but the unpopularity of the format, where if you, you kind of need a minimal amount of people playing it, that's why they would do it in vintage leagues because oh, no, you don't need a lot of that's, players. That's to... what I meant. When it hit a low level of popularity, like sub yes. like sub two hundred players normally, like hundred and fifty or lower. Like I think if it goes to about hundred active players, then you've got a consistent chance of like being able to like pair against yourself as such um so and then you can make it so yeah when the format's not great then it, it you're able to make it worse by then adding win traders yeah, to that. yeah, I, yeah, get, yeah. I get what you mean but now now it's a case of yeah you might have to wait like two or three minutes per league match but if you want to play standard you can play it now you're guaranteed to get a match and you're oh, guaranteed yeah. to, get, to get paired into an actual player so so i'm, I'm good i think i think that's a big benefit for modo and like people can play standard on magic online now don't have to play arena like i personally i really want to like arena i really do but it feels like a soulless empty void every time i play a game Hmm. like winning means nothing losing i feel nothing when i play the games Hmm. um modo (laughs) i guess i'm just such a spike that i like having something on the line even if it's just a couple of dollars worth of tickets or whatever like just feels feels like people there's enough on the line for people to care about the game they're playing and they're not just going to shortcut or like because they feel like people play sloppy on arena like i generally feel like because it's such a especially lower level i think you have to get to mythic if you actually want to play against anybody that's the same level of mtgo yeah i think so too but also that comes at what cost it's like as i said it comes back to the whole spike mentality if you can like make itchy and scratchy money playing modo then Instead of having to put money into the game, if you're at a certain level, then I just, yeah, I just can't get behind playing arena consistently. I've tried it, and I probably will play it again. I have like decent for me, it's on better it. at testing decks. That's why I've been playing it, um, especially now the closer we get to Pioneer. And I mean, we'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about uh, that during the timeline. But 
But anyways, yeah, let's just jump into it. That's yeah, okay yeah, to yeah, you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, you know, I just want to say I disagree about testing decks. If you've got a rental subscription on Moto, it's yeah. just so much easier to test that way yeah. compared to, you know, but, if you spend wild cards on something on Arena, they're gone forever. You know, you can't just be like, yeah. hey, I wonder if I like vehicles and then decide you don't and you're kind of stuck. Well, they with do it. have those yeah, special events where you can play any deck you want and you don't have to worry about the wild cards. Yeah. I, well, that should be every event, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. I think, like, if, you, if you're win rate is above 50% on Moto, you should probably, you will more often not be able to like profit enough tickets to play pay off your rental each month as well, so you end up just not really having to pay it. I don't know if it's 50% or like 55%, which isn't, which is a deceptively low number because that's actually not, that's actually still like quite a good win rate mm. considering Magic and Variance, but like if you're, yeah, like, if you're reasonably, I'd say if you're, like, reasonably good at the game, you should be able to pay it off. Like, I don't play, for example, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be like, oh, yeah, I'm like this, but um, I play, I probably pay, play about 10 hours a week, sometimes mm-hmm. 16. I don't have that a challenge. much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Arena's a lot better if you're just really time-constrained, you're like, yeah. oh, I've just... Like, I've got like an hour I, I get to spare. Home from I'm just work. gonna pick up yeah. play. Yeah, that's basically yeah, it's like yeah. I get home from work like eight, nine o'clock, I play for an hour maybe, and then you know, go to bed yeah, and wake yeah. up in the morning that, and go back to work. That's probably what I should say. Um Moto is good if you can play it like a part time job, like mm. sixteen hours or something, and you've got a reasonable win rate because you'll inevitably grind tickets, um, be able to convert the tickets into like if you use mana traders hashtag not sponsored mm-hmm. um <laughs> you can normally like trade like 400 tickets a month to them at like a very very good rate but they'll give you an even better rate to like put into your mana traders wallet which they will take first before they take any money from your bank um so if oh that's cool i didn't actually know that yeah, yeah yeah so like say like they normally buy tickets if you're like i can't remember how many months subscription but up to 400 tickets a month at 95 cents a ticket which is very good you will not be able to sell to people for that price mm. um and then but if you're a mana trader uh, if you put it into their wallet you actually get 10 percent on top of that nice so you're actually getting like more than a dollar per ticket at their and then you can just put it into their wallet and then it just takes funds out of that first before it takes money out of your account. So I normally do that. I normally give them like two months. Yeah, if you know how to play the give... game and play the game with quotes, then you know it seems like you can do all right for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you can make some pocket money, but like I don't, I don't play it with intention of making money from it because it's not like the hourly rate still not very good if you do that. But like, depends what country you live in. If you live mm-hmm. in like a kind of like developing country or like a lower income country then you can like i know people that can like play mo- magic online instead of working and they will make more money mm. from that oh but yeah if you live in like a kind of if you live in like the u.s or like japan like maybe. northern europe u.s japan northern europe even even some southern europe countries like you're probably better off just doing something else for like an hourly wage but like it's all it just depends anyway <laughs> All right, so should we get started? Do you have anything else you want to say, Kevin, or are we good? 
I definitely have more to say. I'm not going to say any of it. Okay. I'm just going to keep it a secret okay. this time. Keep it in. <laughs> no. Keep it down. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into what you want to talk about, which is uh, you wanted to run through kind of uh, a year yeah, by year or, or a month, month by month for the year. Yeah, I thought that would be kind of interesting, you know, just kind of see, hey, this happened this year. Do you guys remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to You're like, that was think this back year? a little bit. <laughs> We're all going to have to be like, oh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was 2022. Yeah. There were so many sets released yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, uh, all right. So um, January, I think January is a little little uh, uninteresting because we didn't have re- anything happening in January. Uh, that was the end of the Crimson Vow season. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the next month we had an, a new new set coming out. But yeah. um, do you guys, re- was... yeah, do you remember anything from January? Um, Like what, get, what remember, deck you were like, playing or what the meta was like? I just remember, like, Phoenix just being, like, my default deck to play. <laughs> like, Phoenix was so good, right? Like, it had basically everything it has now, but it also had expressive iteration. And it was a classic yeah. case of like kind of like inverter in the way of like mm-hmm. you would play like all in degen uh, graveyard based strategy, and then people would bring in like go blank or like these like or rest in peace. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm just gonna bring in like Jace Wheeler Mysteries, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna play Young Pyromancer and play to the board instead of playing to the graveyard, like and still win anyway. Um, I think Phoenix had like a very long time in the sun right because it was like the best deck for like so long yeah a couple like, I months think it was, at least uh, probably more than that right like as soon as they printed consider it just went from like being like decent like like a decent deck to like like the best deck like they, it just it just gave them so much and i remember this is when the trespass combo shout out to go with the cat because mm. everyone was playing like the standard list of like four phoenix four treasure crews blah 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 but then, like, um, Crimson Vow bring out Galvanic Iteration. When did that card get released? Yeah, that was um, that was the first Innistrad set. Midnight so, Hunt. Is that Midnight right? Hunt, right? So Galvanic Iteration was a new card. And then Goldcat was like, why don't we just play tres- a Temporal Trespass? Instead of playing four crews, play two crews, two Trespass, and play two Vs. And then hmm. you, just had this inev- you, just, you just had this insane inevitability with the deck. And then play Pieces of the Puzzle. And it was like, oh my god, this, there's just so much inevitability to this deck. Like, you just always win game one if they can't kill you within the first three turns. And yeah, it was it was insane. And back then, um, we we still had like um, Lurus decks. I'm pretty sure Enchanties yeah. was like played, and then um, yep, definitely. And then we played Heroic, right? Heroic mm-hmm. was probably Heroic played. was there. Burn maybe blue, red white burn maybe. Burn, yeah, 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 and let's not forget Winota. You know, yeah. Phoenix we- being good against Winota was a big thing there yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. being able to actually be the one deck running like lightning axe and things that could kill it at instant speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winota was Winota was like just becoming like a kind of tier one strategy, but just not quite there yet. But it was like pretty good. Was and it was becoming a problem. <laughs> I was going to ask: Was this peak thing in the ice uh, meta? Yeah, yeah, thing in the ice was like. Yeah, it doesn't really see a lot of play now, so that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, that was way before Ledger Shredder. Um, It was like, yeah, Thing and Ice was like your four of Creature, four of Phoenix, and you just like went off. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was, I think I was like full on Phoenix that time. I was just like, I was like, I'm not not playing any other deck at the moment. Mm -hmm. I I think I tried to play some like Blue White Control. This was before Wandering Emperor came out, and it was just kind of like, man, Blue Black Control sometimes. I was like, nah, I'm not really feeling it. Um, because um, Soren came out in Crimson Vow, didn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, so I was trying like blue black control with like the soaring and stuff like that, and it was kept, it was okay. Like blue white control was always kind of like tier two to me, but I managed to do quite well with it. I was I knew the deck inside out. I felt quite comfortable with it, and I knew that um, cling to dust in that deck and stuff. I I basically like beat Phoenix so consistently because mm-hmm. extinction events cling to dust and like yeah. I don't think I was playing any good decks at that time. Like that's before I picked up any any of the the new new hotness that yeah, came yeah. this year. Just nothing good. I was playing. Nothing I was probably good. playing all my jank decks at this time, like uh, my uh, wasteland deck or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, well, do you remember okay. what you were playing during uh, first year or first month of the year? Uh, I was playing a lot of everything. I was playing some Phoenix then. I was a Phoenix fan at that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure I was still playing a lot of different Luris decks. You know, I probably still messing with like green black and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you guys want to move on to February? Yeah. That's the big month right there. So February is when we saw yeah, the release yeah. of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And so that kind yeah. of changed everything. We got, you know, Fable the Mirror Breaker. We got, uh, what was it? The the Emperor. Is that the name? Yeah, Wandering Emperor. Wandering Emperor. Grease Fang. Yeah, Grease Fang. We got all this stuff. Uh, I know, I yeah. mean, you guys talked a lot during... Um, during January. So for, for February, for me, that's when I started to pick up and play the Parhelion decks. You yeah, know, there was a lot of really bad iterations of uh, Grease Fang, as you'd expect. I started with Mardu. Experiment with this card. Yeah, people were like, oh, is it Esper or Mardu? And yeah. then it was like, these decks are just, you just don't have enough consistency on turn three. Um, people were trying it out. People realized that you could, people were starting to like, look at fable like people when fable the mirror breaker was like released like nobody realized how good it was and then i remember like it was in a discord and gold the cat once again was screaming that this card's busted like mm-hmm, buy mm-hmm. them now he bought them for like one ticket and stuff like that or something insane and they went up to yeah i got it's plus i got a place that for 2000 yen which is like 18 dollars, 17 dollars us because i saw somebody win an event the god of pioneer um with mardu and i'm like that's a good card i'm buying that yeah, it was kind of hard to realize how good the card was at the time because you were like, so you make a token, you mm-hmm. discard cards, and then you finally get this like sorcery, you get this 2-2, so you have to wait four turns before like you get any relevance of the Kiki yeah. Jiki token, well, we, we the Kiki Jiki enchantment. We were looking at a, a, a metagame that was super fast. You know, We had Luris decks all over the place yeah, and so much yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why do I want to wait this long to do that? And I think Winoda was still there too. So it's like, why do I want to wait so long? Why, why is this a good card? And I think yeah. initially it was just there to kind of, you know, maybe just get you. Yeah, you know, we were like, well, it's not, a, it's not a spell for Phoenix and it's too expensive to play in a Luris deck. If, you know, Dreadhorde mm-hmm. Arcanist was the red-black mid-range deck at the mm-hmm. time still. Yeah, and uh, so people were kind of like, whatever, but then someone realized, oh, wait, why do I put this card in Winota? And then I think that was the time where people were like, right, so there were some players that were playing Red Black when Red Black was not a good deck, mm-hmm. and then Fable single-handedly made Red... So, like, Actually, shout out to... Actually, was playing Rakdos at that time. Mm, Rakdos was played. There was a guy called Cabeza de Bolo, and uh, he's... South American, I think he's from like Bolivia or somewhere like that, and he was like a Rakdos one trick, and he was pretty good with the deck, kind of similar to me with like blue black control, but the deck was fundamentally flawed, like it just wasn't that good a deck playing like Murderous Riders and stuff, like it's just a pile, right? It was a Rakdos pile that wasn't very good, 
but he was good enough with the deck to get like reasonable results with it. So like, but thanks to him, like Rakdos was like basically on people's radar. Like people mm-hmm. were like, okay, this deck is like okay, and then they're like, Bone Crusher Giant, Trespasser, mm-hmm. Fable and Mirror Breaker, a mm-hmm. billion three drops, best deck ever. Hmm. And people started to play Rakdos and then realized that like, okay, this deck's actually quite good. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically the real birth of Tier One Rakdos was formed because of that card, Fable and the Mirror Breaker. And it was, in my opinion, the card that got Winota banned. It was the final nail in the coffin. Um, it just made the deck so much like being able to draw discard cards, just and create treasure tokens, and have a non-human creature. Like you just did everything, and like copying this. I don't know if it can. Yeah, it can copy this six mana creature as well. Like it was just. It just slotted in that deck perfectly. And then, um, yeah, so it just basically took one out of, over the edge. Wandering Emperor made Blue White Control relevant again, which I loved. Like, I was still like, is Blue Black or Blue White better? Don't know. Like, before it goes. March, was... March of Otherworldly yeah. Light as well. Yeah, yeah. March White. of Otherworldly Light was a massive, like, card for that deck. Just being able to. Like, the biggest, the biggest reason. The best thing about March of the Otherworldly Light is it just gave you like instant speed answers to creature lands, like extremely efficient answer to creature lands, mm-hmm. which outside of Fielderune you didn't really have. So like, like especially against decks like Rakdos, like they just have like twenty creature lands, and you're like, oh, I can't kill all of them, and uh, but like that card really gave you a chance, like made your deck more consistently. And with Wandering Emperor as well, you were just being able to consistently answer them. And it just took blue-white control from, like, tier 2 to, like... I don't think it was I think it's fully, tier 1, but... I don't think the deck list was, like, fully optimized at that point, but it definitely improved. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it, it wasn't, like... putting on better I think, numbers. I think people, like... Because I remember, like, experimenting with the deck at the time, and I was, like, playing, like, two copies of Wandering Emperor in the deck. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that the card was insane. And it was like, I should just be playing more of these cards. Like, play four. And now people and don't play of... Settle the Wreckage anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Settle the Wreckage was always a contested card of, like, yeah. it's good when no one's expecting it. But as soon as you play it, as soon as it's a known quantity in the meta again, it's it's, it's bad. You always... It's a flash in the pan, like, got you card. That's the way I see Settle. You should play it when no one's expecting it. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of like Spell Pierce. Spell, Spell Pierce is really good if no one thinks you're playing Spell Pierce. Mm-hmm. If people think you're playing Spell Pierce, it's still reasonable, but it's nowhere near as effective. It's a very good got you card. Narset's Reversal as well, but anyway. Any other cards we need to talk about? Fable, Wandering Emperor, anything else coming out of the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty? Uh, Boseju, maybe? Beseju was a big one. So Beseju, Ottawara were massive because Lotus Field they got a big help. gave Lo- yeah, yeah they gave Lotus Field like main deck answers to like damping sphere and stuff. So it made the deck a lot more resilient to the random like hate cards that would just basically win you the game on the spot because they would have to like Sylvan Scrying get Blast Zone and mm-hmm. they would take them like three four turns to deal with what you were doing and by that point you've probably just won the game mm. whereas whereas they had like okay I play Diamond Spear and they're like okay um, I'll tap two mana in response okay uh, Besage you your Diamond Spear and you're like oh that hmm. wasn't very effective was it um, 
Yeah, so Bloatsfield got a big benefit from the lands control. Blue, I think Ottawa is an amazing land. Um, gave gave the deck a big upgrade as well. Um, I think we also. Fang. Sorry, I was I was gonna say another big meta change we saw is the uh, Anvil sacrifice decks because uh, Mono Green wasn't around at the time and uh, Anvil started. Yeah, to, so yeah, yeah, that's a great one to talk about. Is you know the Anvil deck really popping up for a little while? And then I was gonna lead into is like how and when did this Mono Green deck really come out of and take over the format like it has? Mm-hmm. Um, basically when Winota died, right? Because it had a really bad Winota matchup, and that was the issue. Like, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, you know, Winota de- dying is probably de- the biggest thing that had the an impact. The deck just couldn't beat Winota, so what's the point in playing a deck that has that just loses to the best deck in the format, or loses to one of the best decks in the format? So you know that that's something that I think is it's a nice point to have, like in the back of my pocket, as someone who talks about the format a lot and talks about Magic a lot, is to be like, hey, you know, you guys, this is a deck that's like integral to pioneer right now and it couldn't exist because decks like winota were keeping it down and when people talk about bands it's like okay well winota's win rate's not that good yes but we're not seeing the decks that just don't exist because they're not even in the tournaments to have that bad win rate against them yeah all right do you guys yeah, want to move on to march point. or do you want to say anything else about coming yeah i'm on a tangent here so no, go, yeah, go right ahead <laughs> Yeah, so March, another huge month for Pioneer. We had the Luris ban and I think also the the um, Iteration ban at the same time, right? No, Iteration happened alongside Winona. Okay, all right. Yeah. So so we had yeah, the Luris ban. I can't, was there anything else around Luris? Was it just only Luris? It was only Luris. All right, so... It, it, it was one of those things where maybe it needed to be banned, maybe it didn't, but it was getting banned in Modern at the same yeah. time, and they didn't want to be like, oh, hey... If you, you know, just got banned out of Modern, here's your safe haven in Pioneer. Yeah. If they're like, it's on the watch list in Pioneer, maybe we should just uh, you know, get rid of both at the same time. Yeah, so the thing the thing that kind of bothers me about Watsy is there was two cards this year that were banned that I felt like they were just doing it because the card was obviously inherently powerful, but it wasn't necessarily warping the format in a mental way and it was Luris and Expressive Iteration I feel like they banned them before they warranted the bans however it's like Uro as well right well mm-hmm. Uro's probably more of an egregious like card that was like clearly just not necessarily fundamentally busted it's really hard to it's like unfair to, unfair to play against oh burn deck no I don't think so midrange deck no yeah, I like, don't think so control deck no I don't think so Luris was just one, well, Uro was just one of those cards but it was like people find it really hard to justify or like realize that it should have been banned oh it's just a mid-range card and you're like bro like come on like the card's just insane mm-hmm. like and I think that Luris was one of these cards that like I think at the time the Anvil deck was very popular and Claudio was Claudio basically it was the Claudio's baby essentially like he was the one that kind of came up with a raw initial list I believe and then people started to improve on it and make it into a very powerful deck but I don't think the deck was like extremely busted it was just like good and this was the thing like Lurus was just in a bunch of good decks mm-hmm. but they weren't like you still had decks like Phoenix and stuff that could go toe to toe no problem Winota like all this time the metagame was still diverse. So there were still like a bunch of good decks that were like the the power level was just very powerful, like with these cards. Um but I think they said, you know what, like we don't want to have the headache of like 
mm. printing cheap creatures that are just going to make Lurus ridiculously good and have that headache of like, oh, we missed that. So I think Lurus being banned for just being too powerful is fine. Like I have no problem with so, it. Like it quick, is what it is. Quick question. Um, so it, yeah, there's no denying it is a powerful card, but I think also that during that time. Uh, Ikoria, or just the companions in general, were just still something so new. People didn't know what to do with them, and you know, when something actually did something good, they all flocked to them. Nowadays, they are more commonplace. Like everybody is playing Giganta now. It feels like every deck is has that in like the the sideboard. And then you know, the, of course, we still have some Yorian decks. We even had some Obosh decks and stuff like that. Some people split play was it Kahena, I think, as well. But it's like. I wonder, as it becomes more commonplace and more normal, people will think that maybe Loris is safe to come back? I mean, what do you guys think? Was it just, I think they should just too shocking? I think they should just, I personally think they should just ban the Companions. companion mechanic. Mm. Not not ban the creatures, but ban the mechanic mm-hmm. and just say this this mechanic's irrelevant. You can play the creature. Mm. Yeah, and then bring back Luris so you can main deck. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I think I'd be fine because Luris still good. Luris is an, yeah, Luris is a decent mid range creature, and um, I, I feel like it's kind of like Tireless Tracker in a mm-hmm. sense. But um, ban the mechanic. I think the mechanic's just stupid. It was the most ridiculous mechanic they've ever. Phyrexian mana, maybe, but like, like ban just ban the mechanic instead of mana, it's like for this... life or something like that, right? Um, pay this amount of life and put it into your hand. No, just ban the mechanic. Yeah. Just ban it. Just ban ban companion. Just make them creatures. You can play them in your deck, but you cannot have them as a companion. Yeah, Yorian companion would still be exist. good. Yeah, because it's a good mid-range creature. It's decent. Yeah, it's not all, the best mid-range decent. creature, but yeah. it's pretty strong. I'm happy for someone who's playing like an enchantment deck to have Yorion and in, in, in their 60 multiple mm-hmm. copies because that's the payoff, right, for playing enchantments. Yeah. Lurus have a bunch of cheap stuff. Lurus is your top end to bring them back. That's fine. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Can play the hippo, whatever you want to do. Gigantha, I don't know, but like Gigantha would be pretty mediocre. But who cares? Like yeah. it's I'd I'd rather they just ban the mechanic so we don't have to go through the same headache of oh Yorion's busted. We need to ban Yorion and Pioneer now because they printed some like dumb mid range enchantment pile mm-hmm. that like it just makes it go over the top of everything else. Yep, yep. Ban it. Just ban mechanic. Bring Lotus back, fine. I just think I just do you not agree that the mechanic was just so ridiculous. They've already had to errata it because it was stupid. So and if you're going if you're going to, it's going as far as to having to errata it, just ban it. Like I don't know. Do you guys remember what happened after Lotus has been? So yeah, of course all those decks that was running it, um, you know, auras, whatever, uh, uh, burn. You know, they 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 kind of stopped being a deck. How did the the meta? evolve after this do you remember how it changed like what became better was yeah. this was this when like Rakdos stood or took people, a stand people realized that Winota was extremely powerful a lot of people were playing Winota um Rakdos was becoming like kind of popular like people were still playing the the Rakdos um sacrifice deck um people were playing Rakdos midrange people were playing Phoenix Phoenix mm-hmm. was still very good um Ragdos midrange and there was gold blanks galore i remember that's when gold blank was like everyone was just playing gold blank mm-hmm. phoenix um and blue white control was getting picked up to some degree i think we were playing like yorion blue white because why not um 
can't really, can't really remember much else. Oh, um, I'm pretty sure Ascendancy was still getting played. Um, despite I think Besaju, I hate the print of Besaju because I was playing a lot of Jeskai Ascendancy. Mm-hmm. Um, that deck I felt it was quite good, but then I was like worried about Besaju because it was a main deck answer to Ascendancy. Um, people were playing Lotus to some degree. Um, with the new cards. Um, yeah, the format was so diverse. Yeah. Well, personally, I felt like there was a lot of loss of diversity after Luris got banned. You know, when Luris was popular, the aggro decks, there was, you know, there was Heroic, there was uh, Artifacts, there was Enchantments, there was, you know, a couple other random things people were playing with Luris. You know, uh, Red White Burn was another really popular deck, and that yeah, pretty yeah, much disappeared yeah, when yeah, Luris yeah, disappeared. I mean, it had no reach, right? Um, so all of those aggro decks, they kind of just went to, now it's just Winota is the aggro deck, yeah. and that was kind of a, a, a big... um you know, I don't know the right word, but a uh, the meta kind of narrowed in that all of the aggro was now this one deck instead of the aggro being a dozen different decks that were varying degrees of popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and before we go into the next part, I did also want to say in March we had that's when um, Star City Games announced that they were going to be doing uh, Pioneer Series. So like this is kind of like the the start of competitive MTG coming back and i think that was kind of a big a big thing that was some big news yeah it was huge huge news um i agree with that is there anything else you guys want to say about uh about march with luris and the sag open or do you want to move on to april yeah april is good for me so yeah let's go ahead to april yeah so april like i said sag (laughs) Announced that in March, hey, we're doing this. We also got the uh, the organized play return announcement. I think that's when they're saying, hey, we're gonna do Pioneer uh, next, you know, or this summer as uh, original qualifier uh, sort of thing, and then that's gonna feed into this, you know, events later in in fall. Um, it's gonna be in the Pro Tour and stuff like that. So I think that was like really big news. And then at the same month in April, we also had Streets of Campena come out. So. What do you guys want to talk about first? You want to talk about the organized play announcement, or do you want to talk about the impact of Streets of New Capenna? Oh, I missed one. I had one actually that I thought was, um, I thought it was in April, and it's actually in February. Is I, I do want to yeah. shout out that you know playing Pioneer started beginning of this mm-hmm. year, you know March February, uh, just as another you know big kind of content creator on the Pioneer side of things. You know our, ourselves being partially included in that. You know we don't do a lot for them, but we uh. You know, are a part of that group, and we, we shout them out whenever we can mm-hmm. because that's another big thing making Pioneer content. So I want to give that as long as you know you, talk, you remind me when you talk about Star City mm-hmm. Games. It's like, oh yeah, I was going to talk about when that started. I thought it was April. It was February. Okay. Sorry, now go back, back into yeah, April. So yeah, do you guys want to start with the uh, organized play announcement, or do you want to talk about Streets of New Capenna? What do you think had a, a more important impact or the the bigger impact? I, th- I think like New Capenna, like. I think people thought like because it was it was huge news, right? Like everyone was excited about the new triomes, thinking like, "Oh, yeah. this is gonna this is gonna solve the mana issues," and it kind of just didn't really did it. Like I don't know, like the triomes were a big upgrade to what we had previously, but I don't think people play them. They're just not front and center. Yeah, yeah people play them. Like there were like one offs and like all the random five color nonsense decks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't really think of anything major that came out from that set, but I'm obviously missing something huge here. Um, well, we had unlicensed Hearse. We got some good sideboard cards. Hearse was... So, Hearse, I remember, because it actually had a an, a big negative impact on Phoenix at the time. Mm-hmm. Like people didn't really know how to deal with it. It was like, everyone was like, oh, this is the answer to Phoenix. And then, like, Rakdos picked it up. It was getting played mm-hmm. in the main at mm-hmm. one point. It was getting paid in the like cyborg main blah 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 and yeah i think phoenix took a bit of a dive temporarily from there until people like could work out how to play around it and stuff or what cyborg cards were good um i would say obnixilis the adversary also saw some play in those sacrifice so, decks sacrifice got a little bit stronger i think during streets so of sac- yeah it's pretty minimal sacrifice got stronger especially against control i remember like getting played against obnixilis and being like oh this card's actually like a real problem. Um, that's when you start to see like detention sphere get picked up and blow out control that time. I remember that. Um, but yeah, I can't remember anything else. Oh, I just remember tag team. Like we picked up a lot of like new subscribers because of the organized play return into Pioneer. Like mm-hmm. that was huge. Um, but yeah, no. Apart from that, I was excited. Excited. Um, about like the organized play definitely but apart from that i can't really remember much from like that that month to be honest i think i mean this is my opinion i think streets of new campana set up a lot of later meta games it didn't really have a huge impact then and there but like stuff like the angels at tiana whatever her name is wasn't good everyone's oh angel's gonna be good now it wasn't good when streets of new campana came out it's not it didn't come up become good until like later like even now i would say it's better but but um same thing with the um the seven seven elemental guy uh the titan of industry everyone's oh man this is gonna be a great ramp target or whatever and like it just no one played it it wasn't good until you know we we found out the expression federation and stuff like that later on so I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? Do, did anything really stand out at you uh, from Streets of New Capenna? No, you know, I was kind of down on Streets of New Capenna. We talked about it when we were looking over the sets for this mm-hmm. year, and uh, it just wasn't that impactful of a set overall. Okay. Well, then you guys want to talk yeah. about the organized play announcement, like the impact that had? Yeah, like, you know, I, I right away saw impact, you know, a lot more streamers. I was doing a lot of content then. I was following a lot of content then. It was great to, you know, be, every day be able to be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, put on a streamer who's probably streaming Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a great feeling. Yeah, for me, um, as I said, it impacted me directly, like being part of Tag Team. Like, we've seen, like, more interest in our stream, our, our own podcast. Like, um, did we start Tag Team Podcast then? I can't remember. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I think it's been going for a while. I can't. I can't remember how long but it definitely impacted us positively like we were kind of expanding like our um yeah our um our patreon was doing like reason well then it picked up a lot um after this organized play announcement um there was just a lot more hunger for pioneer mm-hmm. the numbers in the pioneer league queues like i think like four three x like it definitely like went up from like yeah. a few hundred to like 800 close to a thousand that's awesome unfortunately selfishly enough unfortunately it had an impact on the challenges like challenges were getting about like 70 odd people and then they started consistently hit well over 100 they were kind of more akin to modern challenges which me i was like oh now it's harder to get my w's but overall it's good for good <laughs> make for it work for your dinner there you go yeah exactly so yeah um 
yeah so yeah big impact big impact in the format very good for all of us sitting here as we all love pioneer so um yeah okay um anything else you guys want to say about april or no i'm good i'm good yeah good to... okay. nope let's move on to may, so may uh may and then yeah i don't know ahead. if i should do this together or not but like may i had a little bit of trouble trying to think like what what the big thing was i think the big thing in may is that more people were starting to play explorer and you know they they an, had kind of announced that they were going to uh focus more on getting the uh um you know pioneer on onto to, to arena and you know more people are playing it than before i don't know if that's like a, a huge thing um i guess meta wise this was when when noda was really starting to take over the format would you guys agree or disagree that like may was the the month oh that yeah noda? it was fully in charge yeah when Ota was clearly like the top dog at that point it was getting a bit it's getting a bit sick of Ota, to be honest like i just felt like i feel like the games were so rng like you could. I don't have an answer to an old time opener. Should I even keep it? Like I don't know. The form is just so warped around it. It was just the cards just so stupid. That Rakdos was all doing pretty good at that point too, though. I mean, they they had a chance of beating Winota. They had the removal. I think a lot of decks had a chance of beating Winota. Like I think Spirits was like pretty decent against it. Like, but Winota just had. Lateral just free wins. Was just was this also wins. when Spirits was really good? Like, was this um, was I gonna say this is when you saw Spirits start to like pick up again? Um, I think that were... was also keeping Mono Green down, right? Yes, I mean, I don't. I think people weren't even thinking about Mono Green at that point. It just wasn't mm-hmm. on anyone's radar. Like, it was tier two. Yeah, 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 people were just like, "What's the point? Let's just get done by Winota mm-hmm. or Spirits or whatever." Like, Spirits was quite popular. Um, because it was like had a positive win rate against Winota, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just. I think this was the one time in the year where I felt like playing Pioneer was a bit miserable. Um, Were you on Phoenix felt, at the time? I think it was on Jeskai Ascendancy. Mm. Like I was trying out the new lands um, and the deck, and it was okay, but it was clearly lacking somewhat in consistency and. Uh, playing against Winota was still measurable. I think I started to try blue. Yeah, I felt I felt like that was my least favorite time to play is when it was just like, okay, Winota is just like the deck. Yeah. There's nothing much else. You can play Winota a couple times every league. Yeah, like you were just like when you didn't have the answer to Winota on their like first turn being able to cast it, you mm-hmm. were just like, Oh, I'm gonna have to cross my fingers and hope they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it was just it was pretty frustrating, I'm not gonna lie. Like I think like when Ota was such a necessary ban, like I think Lurus and uh, Expressive Iteration are definitely argue arguable, but like there was when Ota needed a ban, it was just so dumb. And do you want to talk about that next? And so June, that's when you know the Winota ban happened, and we said Expressive Iteration, right? So happy, I was so happy to see Winota banned. Like as I said, it was obnoxious. It was so such a miserable card to play against. Expressive iteration, I was not surprised. I felt like the card is essentially too powerful. Mm-hmm. It's just too good. It's a two mana draw spell. 
that gets around Norsex. You're not actually drawing cards. Yeah. Cards just insane. Cards just so dumb. Like, hmm. why why did you make Divination a mana cheaper? Huh. Divination is the definition of a perfectly balanced card. And they just went, you know what? We'll we'll make it color restrictive and we'll but we'll make it one mana cheaper. Huh. Like, nah I was I had no complaints about expressive iteration getting banned. Like I felt like, you know what, it's gonna impact the decks I like to play, but I can completely understand it. It's so, kinda like when Udo got banned, I was kinda like, you know what? Yeah, cool. Knowing what we know now though, I mean like everyone was calling for Mono Green's ban or Ragdos ban or stuff like that. And what we've seen happening now that organized play is more of a thing is that given time, I think people can hate out a deck. I feel like Mono Green still a great deck, but it's largely hated out. People are ready for it and prepared for it and it kept a lot of Mono green players out of the uh, the do, top seats in like these regional qualifiers. Is it do, do, ma- should should we have given that chance? Should we have let the metagame try to adapt more, or did we you know try as hard as we can and just like there was just no way around it? Because the issue the issue with mono green the issue with Winota was like and this is Fable's fault is it was a perfectly reasonable mid range deck. Mm-hmm. Like you can't let a combo deck function is a perfectly good mid-range deck in Pioneer. It's just not powerful enough to deal with that. We've seen it with Inverter That's as well. That's mono green, like, right? Um, it's a combo mid-range deck, right? I, I would, again, I would argue that it's not just Fable's fault. You know, yeah. I think the deck was a problem before Fable, and I think that versions that weren't running Fable were still problematic. But, uh, you know, it's not like if we banned Fable right now to take down, you know, if we were like, oh, Rakdos is too strong, let's ban Fable. It's not like, oh, Winota can come off the ban list now. It's perfectly fine. I, I think it would not at all be fine. Well, the issue, the issue was essentially, right? So, yeah, sure, if you took away Fable and then brought Winota back, yeah, it'd still be a very good deck, probably one of the top decks in the format. But Fable just gave it so much more consistency. Like, like the issue with Fable is it's all its effects are quite um, subtle. Mm-hmm. But the giving the issue with Fable was it gave them extra mana to be able to hard cast a six mana creature that was a six mana creature instead of the seven mana creature Angrass Marauders that they only had access to before. Mm-hmm. And so it was a like, non-human, it's, it's so like, it activated Winota. Yeah, exactly. And... exactly, and it could copy the six mana creature to make another one and get rid and of your elves it, to draw whatever it, you needed. So it basically smoothed the edges of Winota. That's what I think. Um, those two cards combined smoothed the edges around Winota, and then you had Elite Spellbinder, where you could just—it was like a thought seize. Huh. Like, oh, it was just so uh, miserable, miserable deck. Huh. An absolute miserable deck to play against. <laughs> oh, you've got you've got a uh, Graftigor's Cage. Okay, I'll just play this uh, Spirit to remove it from the battlefield and kill you. Um. Like, yeah, it was just—it was just—it—it it just was was. It functioned too well as a mid-range deck to also be a combo, more so mm-hmm. than mono green. I think the only thing the only thing I would say about mono green is Storm the Festival being able to flashback is so annoying. Mm. Like I feel like if that card just didn't have flashback, it would be it fine. Would be, be fair. It would be more manageable. Or why did they have to print a, a cranial extraction effect in artifact form so Karn just got even better? Huh. Um, I'm actually surprised that's had less impact than I thought. You know, I thought that the couple of really good artifacts from this last set were going to be a huge impact on Mono Green, and I and I felt haven't felt that way. Like I haven't felt like the deck feels 
drastically different. No, it's, Maybe you have a different no, opinion it's been here. And I'm kind of skipping to uh, to the more recent months. It's but... been measurable to, for me because like there's I remember a game where I had farewell in hand and they were just able to carn and they extracted farewell from my hand. Oof. And I was like, oh, I just lose. Oof. Yeah, it's measurable. Like speaking on that, like I think Mono Green is at the stage where I would like I I would I secretly want it a card banned like corn, but at the same time is that. Is that like in the format's best interest? I don't really know. Because I'd also like to see Fable and Mirrorbreaker banned. Because I'm quite aggressive on wanting cards banned. Like, I think like bans are good overall. Like, I think like I'm a big fan of banning cards before they get too busted. But like, I can also see why those bannings people could argue very strongly against that. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Since we're already kind of talking about Mono Green here, that was actually my topic for July. I thought, you know, hey, June's like when Noda got banned, and so July was Mono Green's back, and we're, we're kind of continuing that. But I would also say this is all this is when like the Absent Perhelion decks kind of also came back at the same time before people realized yeah. that Karn shut them down. So do you, you want to keep keep going a little bit more on on that topic about Mono Green's return in July and like how that impacted the metagame? Yeah, like. Mono green returning was an unwelcomed one, um, but I think mono green is probably like a turn slower than Winota, which is huge. I think, I think it's um, the resources are less, like it's less free, and easy to like um, assemble slightly harder not much harder but it is harder mm-hmm. and it's, i think it's a turn slower like you do have a couple of turns to like prepare for like their big their big impactful spell um monogreen returning i can't remember what happened because of that i think lotus died for a while because yeah. of it because it was just had they just couldn't deal with car and like bringing like dampened sphere and god pharaoh statue um and it and it could also just go under them with like the growth trolls and stuff like um, it Phoenix initially had a tough time dealing with it. Um, because if they didn't get the aggressive thing in there, so it was kind of difficult because the five six was just impossible to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not wasn't. I don't think anyone was happy that it came back. And then Greasefang, another kind of like Greasefang, started to mold into the monster. Because I think when was kind of holding it back, because it was just kind of too fast, right? Yeah, but Greasefang's another, like, nonsense deck that I think it's inconsistent to an extent, but it really feels bad if they have the turn three. Like, if they have the Thoughtseize into the three two, the two one that connives into Greasefang, like, it's sickening. It's just, you just can't do anything about it. Um, any other decks that we need to talk about in July other than Monogreen and Perhelion? Or any other changes to the metagame? No, I was already in November, so yeah, I'd say keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so August, um, big news there was that we got the Explorer Anthology 1, which brought us a little bit closer to uh, you know Pioneer on Arena, and also Dominary United came out. Man, there's just so many sets. Like It seems like every other month was when, a new set, right? Yeah. When did, when did Thalia get reprinted? Was that in Dominary United? No, that was in Midnight Hunt, or was that in Crimson Vow? Maybe it was Crimson Vow. Really? Was Thalia printed that long ago? Yeah, it was last year, end of the year. Yeah, she was 
not the hugest impact. You know, yeah, it definitely, you know, was. humans has gotten a lot of little pieces here and there, so it's kind of yeah, come up, but Dominari, no, I don't think. Dominari United definitely cemented uh, mono-white humans into tier one, right? Because that was when Adeline was printed. Adeline was Midnight Hunt too, wasn't it? Or Yeah, Adeline was definitely somewhere on Innistrada, I believe. Okay, well, I, can't, I only remember Mono White Humans. Oh, so Mono White Humans became very good because they had cards like Wedding Announcement, which was also an older card, I think. Crimson Valley, yeah. Um, yeah, and they basically, people realized that Mono White Humans was very good against Mono Green. So that's when, so at this point, Mono yeah. Green was established as like the deck to beat. I think this is when Ragnos people figured out. A lot less. Yeah, they figured out how to beat it. So Mono White Humans became really popular, and mm-hmm. this is where. This is where um, Mono Green took a bit of a hit initially, and I think Rakdos was like basically um, quite low down in the tier, but then came back because everyone thought Liliana was going to be the best thing since sliced bread, which people then realised it was just another three drop that was like interchangeable with any other three drop in the in the deck, arguably slightly worse. So we had extraction yeah. specialists too at this time, right? They started seeing a lot more play. Extract. When did extraction? That was New Capenna, but I'm saying people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extraction specialist was very good. It was getting, it was starting to get played in more than just humans. Like even Spurts was playing it, because it was just like a very good answer to like rafts and all sorts of nonsense. Especially mm-hmm. when like you could bring back Thalia or Thalia's lieutenant. So yeah, that's when Mono White started to get a lot more play. Yeah, I mean Dominaria. I don't know if Dominaria had a huge impact to be honest. Oh, I can't even remember what cards were in it really. Like um I know apart from Liliana. Um I know humans got like some people that were playing like the King Darien, like the green white humans kinda of saw yeah, Well I guess yeah, Leyline yeah. Binding is probably the big one. Oh Leyline Binding. Yeah, so basically it And Liliana. Made, it made like um the five color deck slightly better. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not played a huge amount. It was basically one of the catalysts for Karuga Fires. Um, that deck basically was a deck that became relevant out of this set. Mm-hmm. Can't remember how long it took to see play, but like Kruger Fires, people realized it was a very good deck against Rakdos because Rakdos was still becoming like very popular back then. So okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at all the cards. So yeah, Shieldred definitely cemented Rakdos as the top deck. Uh, as oh, one of the other top in decks. Dominaria. She was in Dominaria, so I think that came right, out yeah, then. Shieldred was like basically like the card everyone was debating over Kalitas at the time, and then yeah. like soon after they realized, no, Shieldred is just the card to play. Yeah, because it's basically just like an absolute nightmare for decks like Phoenix, which is mm-hmm. I think Phoenix was getting picked up again, and people realized like adding Ledger Shredder, which we didn't mention earlier. I think Lily- Ledger Shredder. Mm. I was gonna say Lillian. I think also had somewhat of an impact. I think people were playing it a little bit in Grease Fang and a couple other uh, black builds. Yeah, I think. But naturally, people were going to play it more than it necessarily deserved because mm-hmm. they wanted to try it out because it was something that hadn't been seen played in Pioneer before. So um, people were experimenting with Liliana for sure. Um, Phoenix was like picking up again because people realized that like Shredder Thing and Ice was very good against uh, Mono Green, and uh, actually losing um, losing expressive iteration didn't spell doomsday for the deck. So um, yeah, we've seen like decks start to come up again like phoenix some old favorites and i would also say that temporary lockdown was also another breakout card during this month i think that really helped an enigmatic deck uh 
kind of make a comeback. I don't think Career yeah, yeah. of Fires was there yet, you know, when Dominaria mm-hmm. came out, but I definitely think that Enigmatic was uh, getting a boost from from having that. Um, Kevin, what, yeah, do, you, what do you want to say about Dominaria United? Yeah, you know, it hasn't been super impactful for me. I think it's been another, like, okay set. Um, I, I've been kind of waiting for something bigger that's going to shake up the format. Like, I don't feel like it changed the top two decks, and that's that's always a little bit disappointing for a set is when it can't even, you know, make that kind of change for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, I think the longer Pioneer is a thing, like the more powerful it becomes and the less impact each individual set will have. It's just the nature of the beast that we are in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want to move on to the uh, regional qualifier season? Sure. So yeah. let's just put like September and October together because that's basically the big news from both of those months was that you know, we had these regional qualifiers um, that were feeding into, you know, the, the fall championships. And, you know, what, what was that like? You know, like how, how did that impact Pioneer as a whole, you know, with all these people playing competitive magic again? Like uh, what was your experience with that? You guys can comment. You know, uh, like, I mean, go ahead here, Harry. I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great time. Like, I just liked it, you know all the tournaments coming out. People really paying attention to the format. You know, feeling very legitimized. The content was mm-hmm. great. You know, everyone was talking about. The, like, I don't know. It, it was a great time to be a content creator. Yeah, like it was good to like. I hadn't played Paper Magic in so long, and then I had actual relevant tournaments to play in like Scotland, and it was really good to see familiar old faces and seeing like new faces and like. Um, taking my taking my pieces of cardboard and put them to the test against the local uh, the local spikes and stuff and seeing where I was and it was nice. Um, the gathering was back and it was nice. Yeah, the gathering was back. I mean, I'm very like like you all agree. Like when the gathering's a lot easier when you're younger. When you're older, mm-hmm. and you've got more commitments. It's quite difficult to justify like taking a full day out to play magic like yeah. sometimes i'm kind of like uh, i'll do it for a big event <laughs> i want a big event grind. for sure i realized sure, this year sure. i'm not i'm not cut out for the grind anymore <laughs> yeah like for me like i like doing it as a part-time thing yeah i pick and choose when i want to play magic and unfortunately it means not taking a, a weekend day out to play i'll try and squeeze a six-hour tournament in online mm-hmm during the day, like, on a Sunday and do chores in between rounds to kind of, like, make use of that time. It just feels like I just don't have that How about you, availability Kev- that I used, used to. Kevin, were you playing more during this time at all? Like, were you doing more paper events? You know, honestly, I was starting to be a little bit less. That's just when I was starting to change a new job. Ah. So I was kind of winding down, you know, watching still a mm-hmm. lot of Magic, but uh, playing a little bit less just because I've been uh, busier this the end of this yeah, year. Yeah, big for Twitch, uh, You right? know, still making content for everybody, but it's been a little bit less uh getting a chance to actually play yeah, it pioneer was really big on twitch i think i really like that and a lot of people are putting out more of the uh, pioneer content and i think this is also when uh like you said playing pioneer and in, in uh, those types of uh, websites really came into their own really took yeah. off and spread around and yeah you know helped get people out there um um so what are we moving on november. to november well, december yeah, let's, let's do november, yeah, november real quick so november we had the regional championships um you know, this is the culmination of, of the, the whole summer of uh, qualifiers that went up from, like, basically it was, like, August, September, October. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think? How, 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 maybe I should say, did the championships uh, meet your expectations? You know, all, all this that was leading up to it, did you feel like they did uh, pioneer justice? 
Um, I think what I remember is I think a lot of like the top dogs like leading up to it thought that like, oh, now that it's in the competitive fold, like people are going to break the format. Like mm-hmm. people are going to like come up with insane decks. Like the format's still undiscovered, and I think people underestimated how much like the grinders really put into working out which decks were good. Mm-hmm. And you actually just found out that oh no wait, turns out the best decks have already been figured out yeah. because turns out <laughs> that's definitely a nice yeah f- good feeling for us to be like yeah no we were we knew what we were doing yeah, we were playing them all along. Like, i think i think i think like the issue i have in magic is i think a lot of players overestimate how good they are and underestimate how good other players are at mm-hmm. times or overestimate like they have the confirmation bias where it's like oh i've done well in this tournament i'm now at the pro tour i've like done well on a pro tour or like top eighty. that means i'm like i must know more than most other people and when you actually hmm. find out it's like you don't really you you just you like I'm not downsizing it. Like, but sometimes your your solid runs come at an important time, and that's great. But like, a lot of especially Magic Online, like the modal grinder hive mind is there and it's real. And like, we'll figure it out. Most of us will figure it out. Combined, like, so that didn't surprise me. I was just confirmed my thoughts on like, no, the format's relatively solved to an extent. Um, like the most of the known decks that are good are going to be at the top levels and it was it was like phoenix a lot of phoenix a lot of decks that were pretty good against like mono green did well in the european version um and yeah it was good to see i think yeah and maybe the counter to that is that not as much of the format plays just the top decks that people might have thought you know we, we did see that with some of these big tournaments is that like yeah you know people are playing other decks that maybe like it's not just you know sixty percent meta that's Rectos you know people have to be ready for the other decks and and some yeah. people got taken by surprise I think in that way I remember Seth Manfield once said on like I can't remember what it was but he always kind of said that he liked to keep his sideboards like um built for an open field and that kind of like made me think a lot about it like you should always I think people try to like people get caught up in inbreeding too much in Magic like like. They're like, oh, I think Rakdos is going to be played so much, I'm going to, like, devote X amount of sideboard slots. And you're like, well, okay, but, like, you really need to take into account that you might just get paired against random decks around 1, 2, 3, and, like, you weren't prepared for it, and they, you got got. Like, you need to play, like, generically good sideboard cards. Mm-hmm. Generically strong cards. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Rather than, like, try to tune it to a specific deck. Because... Uh- you you underestimate people have wildly different desires and like Mm -hmm. opinions than you and you need to be prepared for that also in november i did want to point out brothers war came out and kevin and i already kind of talked about like we made like a new top five and whatnot like cards that you know we were kind of uh more impressed with as like the competitive series competitive uh um, events went on, and I just wanted to ask you real quick, uh, what has impressed you at this point in the metagame from Brothers War? Uh, um, yeah, so basically to start Brothers War, I think like on the tag team podcast I was saying at Claudio, like um, when we were doing the spoiler season, I was kind of like, what's the one mana removal spell equal to number of planes? I can't even remember what it's called now. Uh, lay down arms or something lay down arms i was like oh yeah 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 that's it i was like that card's gonna be insane in control not insane but i was like that card looks as if it'd be really good in blue white then claudia was like i don't think so blah 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 and then i remember like uh i came up with i think like 
one of our like former retired tag team members who's still active. Must the... right? Yeah, we're still friends. Yeah, with Yeah, him, yeah, yeah. Rasmus. Um, he's still he's still active in the Discord. He's still a member, but he, he doesn't write anymore. And um, he was like, I was talking to guys. I was like, oh, we need to come up with something with this deck. And then uh, Rasmus came up with like a, a rough list, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Tweaked some things. Like I think there was like some cards. I, I I'm not a, I'm not an advocate of Fort Ferry despite how good that card is but we were just tweaking the deck blah 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 and i was like trying i was like actually this card is really good it makes a lot of the problematic cards in green and ragdos like easier to answer and it means your top decks are better because you've got like portable holes a dead card in the mid to late game and then uh, i remember like building the mana base and then like i remember being like talking on like gave nasif's discord and he was like oh harry this this mana base looks awful like I can't play this and stuff. Then he ended up playing it, and he did pretty well with it. He was like, "Actually, this is pretty good." So it was it was good to see it was good to see that as well. Like um, realizing, like trusting my instincts. I think like the past couple of years in Magic have really went on trusting my instincts. On like, if I think a card's good, probably is. Despite what I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I think like you learn to like. I think I've got a lot better at judging cards upon release, or like having those like yeah so lay down arms has impressed me a lot it's been a very good addition to blue white in my opinion um other cards yeah anything oh, else stick out for did they uh, not, brothers war did they not release that wrath the three mana red wrath that just brothers artifacts? end yeah i thought that card was quite nice um gave like phoenix a bit more flexibility to deal with like the random hate cards um yeah definitely upgrade over um sweltering suns or anger yeah yeah um there's there's probably something really obvious i'm missing stone brain i guess kind mm-hmm. of annoying for mono green like the mono green got upgrades and like they don't play meteor golem they play the eight mana like win the game card it basically feels like they're casting Ulamog against you cityscape leveler i think mm-hmm. is what it is stupid um can't really think of anything else. Kyla's reconstruction oh. has really impressed me. What card? That's another Kayla's fun one. Yeah, that one's I think still a little bit totally not not totally understood. It's the one Kayla's that that Angels is playing is like uh, basically copies. Uh, wait, 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 wait. X the like Coco it's, that's X. Yeah. It's like a quarter calling Coco hybrid. Yeah, that card's really good. It gives them a lot more um, kind of reach. Mm-hmm. It's a good card. I also think Misery Shadow was a very nice pickup for Ragdos. It gives them. A better fighting chance against mono green mm-hmm. because it puts on it a, gives them an excuse to you know not be playing their Kalidus as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a nice pickup for them. There was just yeah, it was another one of these sets where I felt like it was a bunch of minor upgrades and nothing like extremely impactful. That's fair. Yeah, again, like it's kind of yeah, decent. So you're in review. Anything else big that you think we've missed that you want to talk about? Like you know something that's happened in Pioneer or you no know, personally, well, if you want to. That uh, I mean, I, let me let me finish out December mm-hmm. real quick. I mean, it's not much. Yep. I mean, December we're still in December. But I would say just the big news from December we yeah. had Explore Anthology too. Yeah, but but now Boo Arena. Yeah. We don't care. No, that's big. Thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that, more, that's more, fair. Clo- closer to Pioneer on online on Arena. But anyways, yeah, I think that's a good lead in to to wrap this up, Kevin anything we missed or what are you hoping 2023 brings we can add a little bit to that um i think oh sorry i don't know if, if that was kevin specifically but 
Um, positive change. Like, I would like to see the format. I'd like to see a change in the format. Like, like ultimately, how? like, just like, just mono green and Rakdos not being like the two decks policing the format. So like, a shake up. Yeah, I'd like to see a shake up. I'd like to see some new and interesting decks coming back into the fold. They could do something mental like, oh, we're going to unban Walking Ballista. And like, oh, yes. Okay. That would probably still make Mono Green very good, though. It would. Um, it would just, I always it would actually said just, it, it, it would just It would just be another win, Kellen. Yeah. I always said Capture last time, yeah. Yeah, probably. I think it's like, it reminds me of when like Reflector Mage was banned in Standard for like the whole time, and I was like, really? Huh. Like, does it need to be banned the whole time? Is it not specifically in this deck that's mm-hmm. no longer legal? Um, yeah, bring it back, see what happens. People are like, oh, Mono Black will be too good. I'm like, I don't know. There was like a lot of answers for a 3 3. Um, I think Reckoner Bank Busters like, can kind of fit that mold to an extent. Mm-hmm. In terms of like Bankbuster, really, yeah, not, not as much of an aggro card though. I think is the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bankbuster is really good in Rakdos, right? Like they just can choose to draw cards with it or like put pressure on you. Like if if Copter comes back, my still most hated artifact will still be Eska's Chariot. I hate mm. that card. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> That's fair. Such a miserable card. I think. I think for me, I'm excited to see what they can do for Mono Red. You know. Or, you know, like red X aggro. I kind of want to see my prowess decks back, and they've been a little bit hiding recently, so maybe that's what I want to see come back right now. That's what you're hoping for in 2023? Sure, yeah, let, let's go with that. And then, uh, you know, Kethis unbanned yeah. and yeah, I mean, giving it all of its toys yeah, back. About un- <laughs> all that, yeah, I can course. agree. Unbannings in general, I'd be happy with. But um, outside of unbannings, I, I would say I would like to see more organized play. You know, I know we got uh, more like wizard stuff, but I'd like to see some more mid-level, mid-range events that are kind of in between like the local um, events and uh, um, like the big GP Pro Tour type things. Maybe more like, you know, 1Ks, 5Ks or opens and things like that. I would love to go back to like, hey, every weekend we have an event now. I would love to see that next year. All right, that's probably going to bring us to the end of our show here and the end of 2022. Thank you guys all for a great year, and thank you all for listening. Uh, you know, I just want to shout out our listeners because I don't shout them out enough. Uh, thank you guys so much because you're the reason we do this. You know, if we were just talking to the void, it would be a little bit less interesting. So thank you so much. And then I also want to thank you, Martin, for coming on the show, uh, joining us for this episode and giving us good perspective. I feel like I was arguing with you a lot, which is always a good <laughs> yeah, sign because it means good. that we're <laughs> we're bringing good different opinions yeah, yeah, yeah. here. And, and I like that. You know, I always appreciate what you can add to the show, and it, it's usually a lot so thank you all so much um if you guys want to follow us if you like our content follow us at mtg pioneer that's the best place to stay in touch with us you can also find the link to our discord there to you'll be more in touch and uh can you know talk with the community and see updates on everything that's going on you guys can find me on uh twitter at yo japan hobbyist and also hive is back yay i'm uh, i think japan hobbyist on there (laughs) with all lowercase um, but anyways, uh, Martin, how about you? Where where can uh, people find you? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to promote? Yeah, of course, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Harry13SCO. Also part of Tag Team. Uh, we bring various levels of content. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we have a podcast called Tac Talk. 
um, which you can find on Spotify. Uh, listen to us. We talk about Pioneer. We also talk about Modern. And yeah, we also have a Patreon. Obviously, if you if you want to see content, cyborg guides, etc., and you feel like that's something you can do or something you want, feel free to subscribe to our Patreon as well. The link is in our Twitter account. So yeah, that's all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, go ahead and give them a follow, and uh, you know, follow on Patreon as well if you if you can. Uh, great content over there. Alrighty, Thanks, guys. All right, that's gonna bring us into our show. You got anything else, I'm Ryan? Good. Thank you. Well, thank you guys all. I've already shouted out Happy New Year to everyone, all of our listeners, and to all Magic players out there. We are the first pioneers, and we are ringing out the new year. <laughs>